and welcome to mini episode 52 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Oh, you do. I have got five gorgeous spooky tales for you today. Oh my gosh. I know, it's a long one. It's oh, a big one. Lots of scares. Lot, well, yeah, lots of scares. Mm-mm. And story number one comes from Tori. This story begins when I was 20. I began dating a farmer in rural South Carolina. I should say that I do not like the dark, nor do I enjoy being miles away from the city, but all the things we do for love. His house was 30 minutes away from mine, and to get there I had to drive on back roads the whole way. These roads were beautiful in the daytime. You could see cows and land for what seemed like miles. The winding roads were lined with trees on both sides in some areas, and the only houses were tucked far back from the road. That was the portion of the road I did not enjoy during the day or night. And I will come back to these roads later. Once you get to this man's house, there was a ton of land and tractor crossing signs. He had a gate with a code and a cute farmhouse with a garden and land for animals. During the daytime, this place was beautiful and quiet. It was so peaceful and he worked outside a lot. So I was often outside with him and enjoyed being around pigs and goats and cows. That is seriously my bread and butter. I love cows. Because we were outside so much, we were in the house much less time than we were outside. I do not normally like going into strange houses because of the feelings I get and the experiences and sightings I have had. Mostly, I don't want to take anyone else's problems home with me. His house was no different. I hated that house. Initially, I thought that my strange feelings were from the tension between his parents. They didn't get along. I found out quickly that that was not what I was feeling. He lived with his parents and his sister who had a five-year-old son. So the nephew and I became close because his mother was a school teacher and went during the day when I was usually there. When I got out of class I would drive to the farmer boy's house and we would work on the farm and watch the nephew. I loved my nephew and he loved me. We were like a little family just working on the farm. Sounds cute right? Well think again. After months of being in his house with everyone and nothing happening, I was in his room with his nephew and himself one night. His bedroom was really creepy. It was one of those attic rooms. His bedroom was basically the entire attic of the house, so it had the square footage of an entire other floor. It was really large. Myself and the nephew were sitting on the bed, just hanging out and watching TV. And Farmer Boy goes to the bathroom, which is the other end of the house. Farmer Boy's bed is pushed up against the door that I think led to attic storage but it was basically blockaded by his bed. I never questioned it but maybe I should have. There we were on the bed hanging out and five-year-old nephew is pretending to shoot at something at the door of the bedroom. I asked him what he was doing and his response reduced me to tears. He said, I'm shooting at that man to protect you I asked him what man he meant, and he said, the man with the curtain over his face. I didn't know how to take that, but I just imagined a man in a shroud. I could not see him, but it was like all in an instant I felt the energy of the room change. It was like suddenly I knew why the house felt so bad and I was petrified. I closed my eyes and covered my nephew's eyes and just wept. When Farmer Boy came out of the bathroom, he could not figure out how a five-year-old had made me sob. I explained it to him, and he knew what I was talking about. 
He was horrified as well, which only made me panic even more because he just validated it by being seriously concerned. After that, things were never the same. I could barely bring myself to be in that house, but when Farmer Boy was near me, I felt safe. So I don't know what kind of beef he had with the man with the curtain over his face, but they obviously had some sort of agreement. I will never know what was going on in that house, but that was not the only place they had activity, and it seemed to follow his mother. I think what made it so scary is that I had sightings when I was a child, and I didn't think a five-year-old had any reason to make something like that up. Now back to the roads. I would often go to Farmer Boy's place in the dark as well. Taking these roads in the dark was terrifying. I started to feel bad and I could not explain it. I would feel like I was being chased. One night I saw something, darker than the darkest dark, in a bent-up shape, slide across the road in front of me. I do not know what it was, but driving through the area was giving me a sickening feeling and I felt totally exposed and completely helpless. It did not help that I lost cell service in this area of the road. It was like something was trying to warn me not to go in the direction I was going in, because it was like it was saying, things only get worse at the house. We broke up and it was the easiest relationship I ever had to walk away from. I was highly motivated to leave the situation, but I do miss the pigs. So I want to start after that story by saying, Tori, I'm on board with you. Cows are cool. I also like cows. I appreciate cows. Let's pick up the cows. Have you ever been chased by cows though? Because that's alarming. Oh, I can imagine. They can go quite fast when they want to go. They're normally running away from me, so it's probably scary if they're running towards you. And they're quite big. They are big. Mm. Well, maybe they're scary even. Not a massive lover of cows, I must say. Okay, so I mean, I appreciate what they do, who they are, (laughs) what they stand for. (laughs) Just don't love them as much as other people might. Okay, okay. Maybe I need to reassess my thoughts on cows. I think you do. I can't handle the fact that this is another story with another kid doing something really creepy. Although I do appreciate that the kid is taking the position of protector and is trying to shoot at the man under the the man under the blanket. Under the curtain. Under the curtain. Yeah, what a little boss. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He's not freaking out, but that is creepy. Really, really creepy. Uh, But I, I like his attitude. I like the protection that he's taken there. So fair play to him. If you're going to have a creepy kid, at least make it a brave creepy kid. That's what we need. Yeah, it does sort of take a little bit of the scare. It doesn't. It still freaks me (laughs) out. But I mean, it's better than having a a creepy kid that's scared, I guess. I also found it was interesting about Tori saying about the road down to that house having vibes to it. Because it's, you know, we talk about it all the time, how places have vibes, don't they? And it's funny that that she should get them on the way to somewhere. I think though when you're driving, like if I have watched a particularly scary film yeah, and I'm true. driving on my own in the dark, I'm shitting myself and I'm convinced. And it's from watching horror films. I'm convinced that if I look in the rearview mirror, somebody's going to be in the back of the oh, car or I something hate... is going to be in the back of the car. Yeah, I hate looking in the rearview mirror at night time. I do do it, people, just in case you're worried about my driving skills. I, I do check the rearview mirror. It's not, I don't avoid doing it when it's dark. It's probably when it's dark is probably a better time to check it. But yeah, um, I, I'm with you on that one. Just, I've got such a bold picture of isolation of this place in my head. Yeah. Like just a road out there, just being in the middle of nowhere. Ugh. Which is scary, and it's like Skinwalker territory, isn't it? 
those are always where skinwalker stories happen. Oh, yeah. They don't happen in the middle of a town. They happen in isolated yeah. country roads where there's rural ranches or farms around. Yeah. I feel like skinwalkers in the middle of a town would be a bit of a battle. Bit, a bit of a stretch, yeah. Mm. And story number two comes from Nick. I'm from a small rural town in Wyoming called Glen Rock, and my mom always had a fascination with ghosts. Back in my high school days in the early 2000s, she went and did a paranormal investigation with a small group of people at a local hospital, and something, or someone, followed her home. One night I was up late playing video games. My younger sister was asleep on the floor with a blanket, and out of the blue she just slowly sat up. The blanket fell away from her face, exposing her eyes, which were rolled back only showing the whites of her eyes. And she just started speaking gibberish, laid back down and continued sleeping. I decided that I would game elsewhere. Back then my mom was with this guy who had extreme OCD and was an alcoholic, and I never wanted to go home because of him. His drunken craziness probably added negative energy to the thing that was occupying the house. One night he was yelling at me, and while doing so my TV kept turning on and off. I kept trying to tell him that it wasn't me doing it, but he obviously didn't believe me. Some time went by, with weird activity here and there, like things being out of place or weird knocking sounds. One night I got out of the shower, I turned towards my dresser to grab some clothes, and I heard someone approaching me. It sounded just like someone walking, pants rubbing together and footsteps. As I started to turn my head to look back, for a millisecond, I glanced with my peripheral vision a tall, shadowy figure, and then it was gone. Some more time went by, and one night I was working on this art project for school, with only my desk lamp as my light source. Out of nowhere, the main light on my bedroom ceiling began to flicker on and off, and while doing so, my door was violently kicked open with a huge force, and a heavy picture resting on a nail slanted upwards was lifted off the nail and dropped to the floor. I stood there frozen, until I heard my younger brother calling for me from the other room. I ran to his doorway, and he had told me that he was woken up by someone poking him in the ribs, and that his antelope horns had fallen off his wall. Before I could even say anything, blood started running out of both of my nostrils, like the worst bloody nose I'd ever had. Luckily we moved out of that house soon after. I'm a Christian, but whatever your beliefs are, you have to admit that the thought of ghosts not being a deceased human, but something demonic, is a creepy thought. I've only caught glimpses of things that we're probably not supposed to see, but I've always had this kind of intuitive ability since I was a kid, and I believe there are things on this earth that we should stay away from, doors that we shouldn't walk through. I love the town I live in, All of my family and friends are here and it's a good little town. All of my family currently live on the other side of town while I have my own place about eight houses down the street from that creepy-ass house. I have recurring dreams of going into the basement of that house and when I go into the bedroom I feel a terrible sense of dread wash over me and then I just wake up. It's as if whatever is in that house just won't let me go. I have been in plenty of situations where I've been sharing a room with people that have done weird things in their sleep. And not just me. And not just you. My little brother, <laughs> my little brother shared a room with my little brother for a while 
and a couple of times when we were on holiday and he's done some very strange things in his sleep in terms of sitting up and talking nonsense but never have I ever had someone sit up talk in a weird language and roll their eyes back into their head that is terrifying it's like exorcist level scary and I definitely understand why he decided yeah I'm just just gonna go game elsewhere yeah. you keep being possessed you enjoy yes. it have a nice time i'm just not going to be here for it yeah and i think there's something to be said sometimes for not engaging with it particularly in the real world i feel like if you're a, a character in a movie and you don't engage with it that's probably your downfall um but i feel like in real life there's probably something for something to be said for just going not today I mean, i'm just not dealing with it today um particularly when it's that weird i'd also have no patience and i and i think i feel like we've both said this before but i have no patience for a spirit that decides turning the tv off in the middle of you doing something is is a fun game to play to get your attention yes but very matilda vibes again and i'm here for matilda vibes you know there's that great scene in matilda where he's shouting at her and the tv explodes that's what i was thinking of in my head Well, it does it did feel a bit like that actually didn't it because the the, yeah it was having a go at him i hadn't thought about that but yeah it is um it is quite matildery. And I think that those atmosphere, like when you've got a, a family trauma going on, like somebody who's an alcoholic or violent or aggressive or abusive and teenagers in the house, like that is a lot of atmosphere in one mm. place. And I wouldn't be surprised if it added to the negative energy. And there's something inherently creepy about pictures falling off the wall when you know they're on a big ass nail and you actually physically have to lift it off to get it off the nail and it just comes away from the wall when it's described like that when it's just like it you know lifts up off the nail and then comes away it's more than just it slipping isn't it and if you lived with me and stuff started falling off the walls (laughs) you'd go emma you haven't hung that properly you'd never think haunting the ghost would be like i'm trying really hard and everyone's ignoring me because they think she's just done it badly because you'd be surprised how many times i've hung something up on the wall and it's fallen off it oh. happens more often than you would think. <laughs> I want to be encouraging and say you're doing yourself a disservice, but... I'm really not. <laughs> no, I don't think you are. I'm really I not doing myself a disservice. I get a bit unlucky with fittings and stuff. Or I get carried away and don't read the instructions properly. There's that too. I mean, I, l- listen, there's, there's plenty of possibilities. So we'll go with it. Somebody else's fault, not mine. Fair. The next time I hang something up and it falls off the wall, I'm going to be like, we know it's a ghost. We've read countless stories. Yep. Stop trying to deny it. Yep. And then I'll burn the place down and we can move on. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, this got really out of hand really quickly. <laughs> and I can't back down from my lie. <laughs> and story number three comes from Kathleen. The year was 2011. My husband and I were living in Tallahassee in Florida. We were looking for a quick overnight getaway and decided to go to Apalachicola along the Florida Gulf Coast. It's about an hour and a half drive from Tallahassee so it was ideal. Plus I just received a book entitled Weird Florida as a gift and there were several roadside oddities and locations along the way that I was excited to see. One was the world's smallest police station which was really just a phone booth in a rural community and another was a town founded by circus performers, or freaks as they were called in the 30s, 40s and 50s. Anyway, we made reservations at the Coombs House Inn, and this is where our story begins. The inn consists of three historic Victorian mansions, located within one block of each other. There is the main house, which has the lobby and parlour, the reception desk, kitchen and some rooms. 
Across the street is the Marks House Mansion, which has rooms and large wraparound veranda where you can sit and have tea or cocktails, whichever your preference is. Next to this mansion is a small garage with a suite over it. When we checked into the main house, we were advised that our room was not ready and we could wait in the lobby. And there it was. A plaque inside the lobby that said, Where Things Go Bump in the Night. And a story attached about the paranormal investigation that took place there in 2010. Loving all things paranormal, I was getting excited. The article talked about hearing footsteps, doors being knocked on, and in some occasions doors opening and slamming shut on their own. I wondered if we were going to get one of those rooms. We ended up getting the Hemingway Suite, which was the suite over the garage and sadly was not mentioned in the article about paranormal activity. So we get settled, and being Florida and very humid, I told my husband that I was going to go freshen up. The bathroom just had a sink, a toilet and a small shower. I unwrapped the hotel soap that was provided, took a shower and that was it. We carried on with our night and nothing happened. The next morning, I wanted to take a shower before we left, so I went into the bathroom, started the shower and got all my things together. But I couldn't find the soap. I had unwrapped it and put it right there in the shower, but where was it? I looked everywhere, the shower, the sink, the jacuzzi tub, even the garbage. My husband asked me what I was doing and I told him that I couldn't find the soap. He said he hadn't seen it, so I gave up looking and decided to see if we had brought any with us. As I turned to leave the bathroom, just then in the hallway outside the door, the soap appeared out of thin air and landed with a plop on the floor. I froze for a minute, waiting for something else. I thanked the ghost and picked up the soap. And that was it. We were checking out that morning. My stay in a haunted hotel consisted of the ghost helping me find some soap. I love this story so much because... I think I feel like Kathleen would be us if we were doing a ghost investigation. She rocks up at this really historic place where there's evidence, paranormal evidence of stuff happening in the past. She's there for it. She's wanting something to happen. And the best thing she gets is a ghost finding her soap for her, which is actually very ha- handy. We stealing, do... stealing her soap in the first place. Yeah, well, potentially. And then finding it for her. My biggest question about this is, is it two ghosts or is it one? So did a naughty ghost steal it and a good ghost return it? Or was it just one ghost stealing it and then returning it? My opinion that it's one ghost, very attention-seeking behaviour, like we like to say regularly, and that it definitely wasn't two ghosts, it was one ghost. Okay. One ghost. One ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked it. I like this story. I've, um, you know, I've, you have established that it's one ghost, so it's obviously not helpful but I do like helpful ghost stories I like it when we hear stories of things just being returned I think it's such a bizarre thing as well if you were standing there and the go- or the, the soap just appears in midair and what else would you do you'd just yep. be like okay thank you yep I would be the same I'd probably burn the bathroom down after but I would say thank you at least you'd be saying thank you while you were sobbing <laughs> <laughs> and story number four comes from Parmer I was about 11 and had invited a friend over. The sun had been shining that day, but the back room was dark and windowless. No one else was home because they were out shopping and we had the house to ourselves for some time. We had recently both gotten considerably into ghost hunting TV shows and we decided that day to do some ghost hunting in my basement's back room. 
The basement's back room is extremely compartmentalised. It has multiple doors and sections that branch off from a whole area. Usually we just kept our junk back there. My house isn't old, but it's been around a while and is definitely on former native land. During our questioning of the ghosts, we stayed in the main corridor, but sometimes ventured towards the other areas. My friend Noah and I prepared our ghost adventures by first loading up with some Nerf guns and then loading up with my iPod Nano's video camera. We had decided that we would walk into the back room of my basement, simply pose some questions to the ghosts and then leave my iPod Nano in the room with the lights on to pick up any activity. There was no such activity, besides vague suggestions of anything abnormal, and after several rounds of questioning the ghosts, we were tired of playing. We had questioned the ghosts in an increasingly abrasive and hostile manner, tantalising them and calling them, or it, names. Alas, our invitation to finish had come, and we began to recognise the eeriness of the room. Uncertain as to whether or not our unease was coming from an ulterior force or simply our minds, we looked at each other in silence. And then suddenly a piercing scream rung out. And nothing is more terrifying than realising that the scream has not come from either of you. Noah and I paused in disbelief and in a state of pure terror our eyes locked. Quick as a flash my friend and I ran. I fell while trying to escape, seemingly tripped over by nothing. We ran behind the couches as fast as we could and my friend and I never ghost adventured again. I can't begin to tell you how this makes me feel. Automatically for years to come whenever I would be reminded of this memory I would shiver and almost cry. I'd consider myself a tough guy but this memory still haunts me to this day. I have a boiling room with a complex piping system sectioned off in one of the areas nearby where we were situated when it happened. I do not believe the pipes caused it. I've lived in this house for 20 years and I've never heard the same ear-piercing sound replicated by pipes or any other machinery. It couldn't have been anyone else, because everyone else was gone. Love, 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 love Palmer's idea of what you need for a, a ghost adventure. None of this SLS rubbish or EMF meters or even, you know, like a digital voice recorder. Nope. What you need for a true ghost adventure is a Nerf gun and an iPod Nano digital camera. I think from now on, that should be the rule for Vegans and the Ghost Adventures crew. If you're doing a proper investigation, you need Nerf guns. And an iPod Nano. And an iPod Nano. And to leave the lights on. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That is definitely your kind of energy. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for that. And I do feel like out of all the weaponry that you could choose, Nerf guns would be the best defence for ghosts because I feel like they wouldn't be expecting it. If you've ever been caught off guard by a Nerf gun bullet, they actually, you know, cause you to stop what you're doing and go, oh, that's interesting. So it might just be enough just to get the ghost to stop possessing you or something. I feel like it's the way forward. In terms of demonic possession, like if if I were a demon and I was possessing an 11-year-old girl, for example, I wouldn't expect Nerf Gun to be the, the first line of attack. I would be expecting like a priest, maybe some prayers, some holy water. Nerf Gun, would it would blindside me completely. Exactly, and that's my point. I feel like it would be enough to just put you off what you were doing and then the little girl could get away. So I actually think, I think Palmer needs massive credit for the logic there, big time. And then to go to all that effort and nothing happen, 
for ages and then the most terrifying one of the most terrifying things i can think of happening in a scream just coming from nowhere that's very scary i would literally evacuate my bowels i think you and palmer should like team up and be paranormal investigators together i think you'd be a good team i think we'd be amazing i i will investigate everywhere with the lights on no issues as long as i've got my trusty nerf gun and your ipod nano my iPod nano to video. listen to some serious <laughs> 2000s tunes yes <laughs> i'm here for it i love yeah, it I'm... and i and you know and, and you would run i'm sorry if somebody screamed in from nowhere in midair in an empty room you would run you'd absolutely. leg it absolutely and i pipes whistle they don't scream so i'm with palmer on that as well he said about the basement pipes i just I don't, that's not the noise they make they don't scream they whistle pipes whistle water whistles steam whistles it's a whistle <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we're a bit delirious this episode i don't know what's going on <laughs> oh yeah i'm just i'm just saying pipes whistle right i feel very strongly And story number five comes from Claire. I grew up in a rural small village in the Cotswolds and in the 80s attended the tiny local Church of England primary school which had been built in 1858 and had not been largely modified or extended since then. It was a wonderful school and being so small all the children knew each other well and we formed strong friendships which lasted until this day. My mother worked at the school as a cleaner, starting when I was around six years old and retiring only last year in 2019. It is a beautiful school, built next door to the church and churchyard, and was the real heart of the village when I was growing up. During the long summer holidays as a child, my friends and I often played in the school grounds on the climbing frames and swings and ran around the grounds, climbing trees and looking in the pond for wildlife. You could see into the school through the huge glass windows which ran from floor to ceiling in a gothic style and we would peer in to see if anything had changed as teachers came in now and again and my mum would clean around once a fortnight to keep the place dust free and check the windows and doors were still secure and all was as it should be. One day two of my friends were at the school playing and looked into a side door into a classroom. Inside, they spotted a tall man dressed in what they called Scottish clothes. He was standing in the classroom, motionless, looking away from them. At the time, being around nine years old, they didn't consider this as anything particularly strange, as the school did have people coming in and out, and he hadn't seemed angry at them being there. They continued to play, and told me later on about the man when I arrived to play. I didn't really think about it for years. Not until my mum started seeing things at work. As I mentioned, the school was largely unaltered when I attended. A few stud walls here and there, but the original doors, windows and walls and the bell tower still stood. Next door was the schoolhouse, which was part of the school but rented out and lived in as a home by parents of my friends who attended the school. As the years passed, the village grew and the school was extended. The schoolhouse was incorporated into the school itself, a new sports hall was added on, a new library and a dinner hall. And this seems to be when things became different, when the atmosphere changed. My mother had continued to work at the school as the cleaner or caretaker, and was often at the school after dark and alone. She is very unflappable, level-headed and not spiritual or religious, and doesn't scare easily at all. 
Being in an old building after dark next to a churchyard was no big deal for her, and she would lock up nightly alone, turning off all the lights, finding her bicycle in the pitch black dark and cycling home. As the school grew and the schoolhouse was added in, she would start to feel strange in certain parts of the building, usually in the old schoolhouse, which was now part of the school. She would often hear noises and footsteps and whispering on the stairs and upstairs. And there was a darker, oppressive feeling in one of the classrooms where you would feel as if someone was behind you. She would see shadows on the stairs and gliding along the back wall of the hallway as she looked up the stairs. My dad would occasionally walk down to see my mum at work and would feel the same way. Books would fall to the floor in the library with no explanation. She would often clean and tidy and walk back through later and books would be on the floor. The shelves are angled up so nothing can slide off and nobody else was in the building. Despite all of this, my mum, being my mum, could shrug it off and continue working. She has always said that we need to be more scared of the living than of the dead. In 2018 to 2019, the school started a big building project and added buildings to the school. This is when my mum actually began to be scared. The new part had a long corridor and the alarm for the building was set on the end of this corridor by the big glass doors. She said that when she was cleaning this part she would hear whispers all the time and she would catch someone or something peeking at her around the corner at the end of the corridor. This was always accompanied by an increase in whispers. Then a head would quickly duck out and back in again. One night the feeling was very bad and as she set the alarm to leave and looked down the corridor, someone visibly stepped out and made a noise and then ducked back away. She was terrified and said her heart was hammering as she locked up and cycled away quickly. I'd never told my mam about the man with the Scottish clothing that my friends had seen years ago. But as she was accounting this story to me, I mentioned it and she went pale. This was who she had seen step from around the corner. She retired not long afterwards and never had to work another winter season in the school in the dark, so was thankful about that. But we do wonder if this man who had been at the school for so long was unhappy at his building being changed and wanted to make it known. Although he was seen many years before and had been felt and heard, he had never seemed as angry. We did try to research to find out who he was, but with no luck. Claire has given us another multi-generational ghost story. And I am here for multi-generational ghost stories. I feel like it just gives more oomph to the evidence. Yeah, but I'm not here for creepy peepers. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I was getting to that. <laughs> yeah, but like, creepy peepers. I don't, I don't want to be multi-generational if there's going to be <laughs> creepy, I don't know, widgets people around corners i don't don't need it creepy peepers is the word i feel like that needs to be like another category of ghosts maybe so you got that's... the poltergeist you got a demon and then you got creepy peepers maybe that's today's episode title <laughs> mini episode 52 creepy peepers it is just i, I do... <laughs> it is just the peeping though that makes this like super terrifying like the it the fact that it's a giant guy quite moody doing things like launching books off of shelves that are facing upwards so it's not like you know it's not gravity i get he's probably disgruntled but the peeping i just can't handle the peeping like there's other forms of protest mate (laughs) 
rather than peeping round corners. So disturbing. Like I and I'm the same. If I saw a big man dressed in Scottish clothes, I'd be like, I think I've just seen a ghost. Yeah. I did one more I don't know if I've ever spoken about this in the podcast before, but one morning, many moons ago, I was driving to work, right? Well, I wasn't driving, I was in the back of the car. Yeah. And I was in two of my colleagues were with me. They were driving like a convertible. I was obviously in said convertible too. It was like seven in half seven in the morning. And in the middle of a field in the Kentish countryside was a man in full Scottish garb at half seven in the morning playing the bagpipes. Did you hear the bagpipes? Yeah. Oh, it's probably ruining. Oh, it definitely was a real man, right? But uh, literally we had driven about 30 seconds and then my colleague who was driving just went, anybody else just see that man? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I definitely just, he was he was definitely playing the bagpipes, right? Because it was so... <laughs> <laughs> just in the middle of this field playing the bagpipes it's very bizarre very i mean bizarre. I, feel, I feel like it might be a spirit but hey it, you know we've all got different ways of welcoming him in the morning in. but i could cope with that right because yeah. you can go wow that was really weird it was probably a ghost or a man that's how he that's his morning routine fine but the little black shadows peeping around the corner and whispering and making noises fuck off yeah no i'm not here for that at all just just go and haunt somebody else. I like, get a life. Not interested. It's like the hand coming around and turning the lights off. Do you remember that story? Oh, no. That was <laughs> no. And that story was so long ago and I still think about it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find everything that you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can send your own spooky story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you get access to heaps of extra content and on that note we shall see you next week creepy peepers